0: it's 19. Here we come. We find ourselves, and the well, the Israelites find themselves three months into their epic adventure into the desert. I was, sort of, I, was, I was thinking about that and thinking, the first three chapters took forty years, and then next, how many? Between nineteen and three is only three months. So there's been some really significant things happen. And we're back at Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai. Now, oh, I didn't get the clicker. Where's the clicker thingy? Will you find us point? Will you just do it one at a time? Yeah, doesn't matter. Okay, so I've entitled this morning, Preparing to Meet God. And um, thank you. I forgot about that but There we go. Mountains. These are a couple of shots. A few photos that we've taken over the years. This is oh, the same trip, actually. This was a sunset over Pow Hut. A sunrise, should I say, over Pow Hut. And this is us on the top of Mount Holdsworth um, the, at the trig. And then that's the Kepler Mountains range where we did the Kepler track and Jan- had the, um, the pr- privilege of doing that in January. Um, yeah, as you can... I'll just, yeah, I'm going to go back a bit actually. I've forgotten one bit, which is, ko manukata te ko tiawa karangi tiawa, ko Fakatiki aho, ko binet Takafano ko kiri Ingawa. I love adventure and I love mountains. Because being on the tops, you can't beat the views, and a bluebird day surrounded in snow is just magic. And it's sometimes hard work getting there, um, but it's definitely worth it. Views, satisfaction, and the peacefulness on the tops. There's no cars or traffic or horns or sirens. And it's sacred, and I don't know, it just feels closer to heaven to me. It's special time, and it's a privilege, especially when you're in national parks like ours and It's little wonder that high places have have been sacred and special have a special role in many cultures Maori culture to point, for example, the first line of my mehi is the mountain that I or in most the mountain that people or the uh, the manga that the iwi hails from and what they see as sacred. The Bible also documents important events that happen around mountains. Noah in the the story of the the ark on Mount Ararat, Elijah on Mount Carmel, Abraham, Mount Mora, and then Jesus goes to high places as well, for example, for his transfiguration. I specifically chose this passage, because we got to choose, we had all the whole of Exodus put out. I specifically chose this passage because chapter 19 seemed to be like a gap filler. It was sort of in, like a bookend. It was in between, um, it was like a stopping point and a starting point all at once. There was, there, was no, there was no parting of the Red Seas. There was no mana or plagues or quail or fiery um, things or water gushing out of a rock. And even like chapter 3 that I talked about a few weeks ago, where Moses was last at this mountain, there was a burning bush. It was like a turning point in in the story, a time of preparation, a poignant moment for God and his people. So chapter 19, is like a bookend, but it's also the starting of something new. It's a foundation for things to come, And we see Moses coming of age. Sometimes we kind of ignore these little these chapters in between the big stories, because nothing much sort of happens. But actually, without chapter nineteen, chapter twenty couldn't happen or wouldn't happen. Oops, sorry, that's the Ten Commandments. A bit of a spoiler alert for next week. But it just couldn't happen. It's like a foundation on a building. You can't see them, but without them, the building would fall down. Throughout scripture, this message of building on strong foundations is, um, quite, is, is shared. Matthew 7:24, the wise man built his house on the rock compared to the guy who built his house on the sand. But it's just an example of a foundation. And I've been working in Wainui Amata for the last three or four years and there's this, a new subdivision has sprung up and there's houses all over that now, but they spent 18 months just working on the ground works. There was nothing happening. It was just bulldozers, diggers, all sorts of things. No houses were being built. They spent 18 months, and then the houses just seemed to pop up within five minutes after that. So I see this chapter as being really foundational and for God and his people to build on. And God's setting the scene He's setting expectations, he's putting a line in the sand for his people, and as he builds towards making a covenant with his people. So we're three months in, as I mentioned before, and we see two million people moving through the desert. Now, I've done some reading, and that could be 30,000, it could be two million, it doesn't matter. I mean, for me, well, it doesn't, it could matter to some people, but... I read a really interesting ser- um, sermon and in little exposé on that the other day, but I won't go into that. But um, God providing food, manna and quail for three million or 30, two million or thirty thousand—it doesn't matter. It's still amazing. Um, but yeah, we see them moving through the desert. They're eating quail and manna. They've got water, drinking water from a rock. They're led by a cloud, and they're followed by a pillar of fire. At night, Moses is back at his mountain where he was last there, he was alone. He was scared and he was questioning God. Exodus 3, where God was trying to get his attention. And now we see him. He's a leader. He's physically fit. In this passage alone, he goes up and down Mount Sinai four times. He's spiritually in tune with God and he's obedient and he's leading God's people. This chapter Exodus 19 can show us how to build on our foundations and prepare us to meet with God. So in the um, scripture, I found five Ps and three Ts to help us remember those things. So the five Ps. Remember his promises. In verses three and four of chapter 19, Back in chapter 3, God had promised Moses that he would set his people free. And the first thing God does when he's speaking to Moses in chapter 3 is he says, remind the people of several things, actually. But he says, remember what I have done. The people have seen God at work and have been part of this great experience, the parting of the Red Sea. They're free now, and they've been reminded to, to remember what God has Has said, has done what he said he would do. You either tell the people of Israel yourself what I did, and it said he tells them. He says, "You saw. I took you out on eagles' wings." And Moses is to remind them who they are. They are the descendants of Jacob, kings of priests, and I'll go into that one a little bit later. And what he's remind them of what they've seen. Walking through the Red Sea, mail, mana, quail, water from a rock, all sorts of incredible things, winning in battles. What God did and to Moses is to remind them what God did to Egypt the death of the firstborn, the army thrown into the sea. All these things are to be remembered, and God kept his promises. The next P up there you'll see is treasured possessions. And he's not talking about things. He's talking about his people. They are to remember that they are treasured possessions brought to God, brought to myself. It's so personal. A holy nation, a kingdom of priests. God is letting the people of Israel know that what he is doing is specific to them. No other nation has been chosen by God. Now, the next bit is the, is the longest bit, because I've called the whole talk, Preparing to Meet God. And I just think this is so important for us, a lesson that we can learn, is how to prepare yourself. So Moses is instructed to consecrate the people of Israel. Now, I just want, I was also interested. Um, the other week, Rob was talking about how they moaned the whole way through the desert, moaned and groaned, which is something we're all very good at. Well, I'm very good at it. Um, Andrew will tell you that. But um, the word Israel, so Jacob got that name when he wrestled with God. And that's what the name means it means to wrestle with things. So they're not going to take anything sitting down or easily. They, they wrestle with God. And so, all the way, they're kind of they're living up to their name in a way. But anyway, back to Moses is instructed to con- tell the people to consecrate the people of Israel. So, this people who are Pacamonas and who are uh, wrestling with everything that's happening for them, walking in the desert. This instruction, but it sets the scene for the following chapter. It highlights the importance of meeting with God. The sacredness of the covenant God is making with his people. The holiness and the high expectations. I'd like to take a moment just to look at what it is to be consecrated. So the definition of consecration is to make or declare something sacred or holy. Separated out. Dedicated to a higher purpose. Sometimes we talk about churches being consecrated. We know that they deconsecrated old St. Paul's. It's now no longer a church, it's just a beautiful building. Priests and people who are called into ministry are consecrated. The elements of communion, the bread and the wine, are consecrated. Um, But here we see um, not just. Simple things, but two million people consecrated to God. He's not just coming to talk to one-on-one like he has with Moses, like he has with other people we see in the Bible. He's actually going to talk to a whole people group. So how can we be consecrated? What can we learn from this? First Corinthians 27 are the instructions for communion. Verse 28 states, A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. 2 Corinthians thirteen six repeats that instruction, examine yourself. Galatians 6, everyone should test their own actions. And Matthew 5, verse 23 and 4 goes even further than self-examination. It says, If you you are offering a gift at the altar and remember your brother has something against you, leave your gift and first go and be reconciled. So we see that being consecrated is not just Moses praying over his people. It's actually heart work. We need to confess and to deal with sin So that we are preparing to connect with our Heavenly Father who is beyond holy, beyond our imagination. Just like the Israelites had to do that as well. And how did they tell them to do that? Next, the people were instructed to wash themselves and their clothes and to refrain from sexual relations. These are outward acts of purification. God's sanctification is. Actually, inward in our hearts, and souls, and in our minds, but these specific physical acts help us to prepare, and have been found to help and give us spiritual insight. There are many examples of these in, throughout the Bible. The Old Testament Leviticus um, has three examples in Leviticus eleven alone, and the one I've but I've chosen to read Hebrews twenty. Chapter 10, verse 22. i just trying to, Matthew. Well, I thought I had a marker in that. I did. Where is it? Do, 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 do. Sorry, my Bible's full of all sorts of junk. But there we go. So, Hebrews 10, verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So Jesus' attitude was that washing our hands as a tradition without going that next step and examining our hearts was actually pointless. It's a bit like a wedding, really, We have these wedding preparations, which are grandiose. We have the beautiful dress. We get the hair, the nails, the tuxedos. We have the cake. We get everything ready for the party. But actually, marriage is a farce if you don't do the heart and the head work and don't make sacrifices and don't actually talk about the the things that are different about each other and don't actually do the hard yards. And it goes deeper, and you have to prepare. And the refraining from sex is similar it removes a distraction it's a sacrifice it's equivalent to fasting, a way of giving up a basic human need for greater for a greater cause so preparing yourself to meet God is that important and then the the last or two, one more p the people responded together, so as i said we've what have we had we've had We've had that he wants us to remember the promises he made and the promises that he keeps. God wants us to remember that we are his treasured possessions, just like the people of Israel, and that we have to prepare ourselves. In verse 8, it says the people responded together. The message from Moses must have moved people to respond because it tells us that they all responded together, which doesn't sound like the, what's been happening in the desert. They've been grumbling against each other and grumbling against God and against Moses. But it says, We will do everything that the Lord has said. Unity is key here. Unity of believers is something that Christ prayed for us before he went to the cross in John 17. Verse 23, it says, May they be brought to complete unity, to let the world know that you sent me. In unifying, in love, it's how we can impact our community. We are not on this journey alone. The people of Israel had to be a team in order for chapter 20 to happen. And that kind of rolls into the next one, protecting each other. Moses was also given the instruction that they were meant to protect the people from harm, so be careful not to touch the foot of the mountain, or even yeah, not to even step a foot onto it. It's quite a specific instruction, and it goes on to say that they would die if the instruction disobeyed. And not and not but not a hand was to be laid upon them. They were to be stoned or killed with arrows. And it got me thinking, I was thinking, why the heck did, why was that? And then I thought, actually, it's protecting everybody, because no one, it's like a a person who goes to protect someone who's drowning in the sea, and they they go in and they put themselves actually in greater danger, and usually, unfortunately, the person who's gone into rescue sometimes ends up losing their life, and I think that is kind of what God's saying here. You've don't don't go and protect them on don't go and grab them pull them back because then you are going to step your foot on that mountain as well and this is a sacred holy place the whole of the verses 10 to 13 are about god and his holiness we are not worthy to come into his presence death may seem extreme but even the saintliest of human beings is a vile sinner and in need of grace. God was teaching his people this very thing. Now we're going to move on to the three Ps. T's, I mean, sorry. Three T's. Trumpet sounded. The trumpet sound, to me, I've just made that God was trying to get his people to listen. God was going to descend the mountain in a cloud. He was going for the very first time to speak to a whole group of people, not just individuals. Thunder, lightning, clouds, and trumpets. And I think on this morning's reading, they said a ram's horn, those very... Really Significant sound. It's sort of beyond my imagination. A combination of being in the middle of a huge storm while standing in a great cathedral and fireworks going off. Standing with the sun on my face on a narrow mountain peak. I could slip at any moment. It's so scary, but it's so exhilarating at the same time. God wanted to be heard. He wanted his people to listen. Then the mountain trembled. And when you tremble, it's kind of that whole fear thing. It's, it's, it's teaching us about respect. It's an awe. Verse 16b says the people trembled. Verse 18 says the mountain trembled. In 2019, our country experienced Whakaari Island. There was a small group of people who were killed and people were injured, but those those who were injured got spread throughout hospitals, throughout our nation. The horror and fear of this event. I'm not sure it's directly translatable, but the smoke and the trembling of the earth. We as New Zealanders know what it's like to experience earthquakes. God meant business. The hugeness of this mountaintop experience sent fear and awe among the people. And then the last T, the mountaintop. And to me, being on the top of a mountain is the most important thing. It's the the, the apex of it, the the peak. The people were to stay at the bottom, and Moses went up the mountain. Before his death, Jesus took a select few to the mountaintop for his transfiguration. This is Raphael's version of it. I think he only took two or three people up, but then they met Elijah and Moses and a few other people up there, so I don't know who else Raphael put in there. Probably his home group. Anyway, (laughs) the people stayed at the bottom, and Moses went up the mountain before his death. Jesus took a select few to the mountaintop for his transfiguration. But today, God offers this for all who have chosen, all who are prepared, all who believe in him and believe in the work of Jesus on the cross. To me, the top is the pinnacle, the most important thing, and that is to be and know what God's presence is like. We're all being invited to prepare for whatever God has for us next. Let us come with expectation, with prepared hearts, in humility and in awe, set apart, trembling, listening out for the trumpets, and watching out for each other. So the lessons we can get from Exodus 19 is to get our foundations right. Come humbly in awe and ready to listen. Unified and prepared to meet with God. God has set some high expectations. If we can learn these lessons, God will show up. Well, he has already shown up. But he will give us our next instructions. We are consecrated and set apart for God's work. And preparing to meet God is just as important as what he actually has to say to us. Because if we're not prepared, we're not going to be listen right. Our hearts aren't going to be right. I'd like to pray for for us as a church. I'd like to pray for us as individuals. We are told that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. We have been called to this place to serve, to love, and to be set apart to build God's kingdom. Every week, there's prayer offered over here, but I need prayer every day. You know, I take offence at things, and I have to really work out my attitude towards other people. I get angry quite a lot might be just little things but those little things are like seeds that can gnaw away we all need to sort those little things out on a daily pa- daily process so as i said every week there's prayer over there but there's also people sitting next to you that can pray for you there's people in your home groups that can pray for you there's elders there's all sorts of people we all need that prayer cuz god can move wherever you are sitting So take a moment to prepare yourself for the week. Jesus invites you to walk with him in our communities, with our families and with our friends. So I'm just going to pray now for us. And then I'm going to finish with Ephesians 3, verses 20 to 21. And I'll just finish on the last question. Thank you, Lord, that we are your treasured possessions and that we have seen the amazing things you have done. Take us and prepare us for the next step. Protect us and unify us. And as the trumpet sounds and the mountain trembles, set us apart for your purposes. And Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21 says, Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Um, These are more mountains. I just wanted to share, we've got off this afternoon down on the beach, but this little trip over here, this is Richard Willis on the top of the Rimutaka um, Hill, and there's a little walk there, just just as you go down on this this hut side, and you can park your car, and it is the windiest place on earth. So if you want to get some fear and trembling, go up there, because... We couldn't even leave... When we got to the trig, we couldn't even leave the seat. I was holding onto the seat. We'd just being blown. It well, this probably the smallest off-walk we've ever had. Only six people came. Four of us made it to the summit. The other two stayed halfway down the track and had a cup of tea, Jean and Gail. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, um, it was great. And so, yeah, I'd really encourage you to come this afternoon. Come and get prayer before, if you need it, and also come and help, because those small things... Just tidying up our own local beach. Those small things are the seeds that God is planting in us and getting us to actually make a difference in our world. Thank you. Thanks, Gary.